Hello and welcome to the That's My Truth podcast. I'm your host, Juliana, and I'm so glad you're tuning in today. If you are a first-time listener, I'd like to welcome you to the show. And if you are a returning listener, I'd like to welcome you back to another episode. This podcast features discussions with people who I admire and look up to about everything from career and wellness to social issues and friendship. If you are looking for ways to support the show, there are a few ways. First, you can leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Second, you can share an episode with a friend or share it on social media. And lastly, you can follow us on social media and anywhere we are present online. So check us out. But overall, more than anything, you listening is the most supportive thing you can do. So thank you for tuning in. Hello, and welcome to That's My Truth Podcast. My name is Juliana, and I am the host, and thanks so much for tuning in today. So today we have our 26th episode. I'm really excited. I interviewed one of my good friends from college and also my grand little in our sorority, Cassie Franco Camacho. And Cassie is living in Boston. She works in higher ed. So we really talk about her college experience, her career path, and the growth along the way. So I know you'll love this episode. I I really love doing these interviews with friends um, because I get to touch base with friends and ask questions that I probably wouldn't in like a normal conversation with friends. So I hope that you get something out of this discussion because I certainly did. And make sure to follow Cassie in all the places she mentions. So I will now turn it over to the interview. Hi, Cassie. Thanks so much for joining. Hi, how are you? Happy to be here. (laughs) I'm good. So to start us off today, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, everyone. My name is Cassie Franco Camacho. Um, I met Juliana during my undergrad time at UConn, and she is someone who constantly brings good energy to the world. And I was just so honored that she asked me to join her podcast. Oh, that's so sweet. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> <You're welcome. laughs> um, so, okay. I am really excited for you because you've gotten some great news this week about higher ed or the past month, I should really say. So I was hoping we could start by talking about career and higher ed because you currently work in higher ed. So I'm curious, when did you first become interested in the field? Yeah. Um, so I really never like thought about working in higher ed, but my mom and I were really into college touring when we were looking at colleges and I always like thought it was so fun. And I was like, I like this, but like, obviously like I never at that time saw myself like working at a college. Cause I didn't even like think of it as a potential um, career path, but um, I guess like the turning um, or pivotal experience I would say that I had where I was like, I think I want to work in higher ed um, was During um, a few of my summers when I was at UConn, I interned at Yale Conferences and Events um, at the summer residential um, program. So a lot of the Yale res halls, they um, have camps and they use their dorms for um, these campers to use over the summer. And they hire about like 15 
undergrads and like four grad students to kind of like run the whole operation and all of the grad students that they hired were in higher ed programs and I had no idea what it was or what it meant and I had some really good conversations with those people who became mentors to me in different ways and I actually um, thought it was something that I might be interested in doing yeah that's awesome I didn't realize that they had their master's in higher ed or were pursuing their master's in higher ed. Yeah. So if they're, it was for second year master's students in like a two year higher ed program. So a lot of them have to do a residential component um, for that degree. So it was their like assistantship, their grad assistantship. And then for the undergrads, it's really a good, a good gig because you get free housing and you get paid and free food. So a lot of people, a lot of athletes do it actually college athletes. Cause you get to use like the gym space as well. Um, so I got to meet a lot of like very interesting people, um, which is cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I remember that was like one of your best parts of the summer. So before you went to UConn, you attended two other schools. So I'm curious, why did you transfer to UConn and what was your experience like as a transfer student? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, So I think this response has kind of changed for me as the years have gone on because I, I, I think about what like was going through my mind at the time of transferring and I think now reflecting and seeing what was actually true. Um, but when I was touring colleges in high school, I really had no idea what I wanted to do or where I wanted to go. Um, I was fortunate enough that my mom took me to a lot of different college tours. So I did get to see a lot of options and choices. Um, and I think when it came time to make a decision, I was overwhelmed. And, um, the last school I toured was James Madison in Virginia. And it like, I don't even know if I would go with the feeling like that it felt right. Like, I don't know if I would say that. I really think that I kind of just like knew I needed to make a decision. And in terms of like the type of school I thought I wanted, it seemed like to fit that mold. Um, And, you know, like I met some really cool people, um, had had a good first year, but the reality was that I wasn't getting... Um, the opportunities to pursue like the extracurriculars that I was interested in. Um, it was really hard to get into, like you had to apply to get into clubs and different organizations. Um, and I think the culture of the South was different than what I had expected. Um, very different from growing up in New England. So there were a lot of things that I, I had some problems with in terms of accepting. And I was like, I don't think I would grow as a human here in four years. Like I I almost think my growth would have been stunted um, due to like certain viewpoints and lack of opportunity. So that was like the real big decision there. I made a change and I didn't, I honestly, after applying to transfer to UConn, that made the most sense because of financial reasons. Um, It was like, that was kind of why I had done it, but I didn't get in um, initially. So I had to kind of like get my grades up and I did a semester at URI, which it was really, it was like a, I was in a bad place mental health wise because I like, I knew I was trying to get somewhere. Um, I just didn't know where. So I really grateful that I ended up kind of taking that path because I was able to get my grades up and then transfer to UConn. Um, but I like 
met the right people at UConn and got involved in like the activities that were serving to me. Um, so I think that was like a really, it was worth it in the end. Like I don't regret switching because I eventually ended up being with the people that I wanted to be with. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. That's interesting because like, I feel like your experience at, first of all, your experience transferring is probably going to serve you well, like in higher ed and it probably does already serve you well, but you also have like the experience of different schools. So in addition to like the transfer experience you also know what it's like at different schools and like how culturally different things can be so yeah no I'm sure that's that- good insight yeah I know it's true and like I, I always used to feel insecure about like the label of a transfer student but I got to UConn and realized how many people are transfer students yeah. um and it was really nice to find that those students like found community um at UConn and it's such a big school that I wasn't sure I was gonna find that but um I met some really interesting people um, and like really made use of my time there. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. And it kind of gave me more clarity, like, okay, like you got what you wanted out of your undergraduate experience. And like, now you could think about like your future, like career options. Um, it's not so formal career options. I, I don't know if I was like in that place when graduating, but I yeah. guess like the next step in life. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so what do you wish that you knew before you started college? Yeah. Um, like I think what I did, it's hard, right? Because I think you go into college with this like expectation of like meeting like all of your best friends and like having this like really fun experience. And like, I think with, with social media, like what I struggled with my freshman year was like thinking that all these people were having a better time than I was having, um, because of like what they were posting on social media. And the reality is just so far from that. Like I am equally now, like as like close with friends that I have from high school and friends that I've met doing different activities, like outside of school. Um, and like, you're not going to connect with everyone like college is just like not a place where you're absolutely going to connect with everyone because there's so many different personalities um but I think it's like okay for people to know that like it's not going to be perfect like there's not going to be everything about your school isn't going to be perfect in your experience um and not like beating yourself up about it because like you're human and it's like a new experience and like, yes, it's a very expensive experience, but, like, if you're unhappy, like I was, you, you can transfer. Like, there are options. So, like, making yourself, like, you're not locked into something, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. It's, it's funny what you said, like, not beating yourself up about things because I think, like, you know, there's people who I was friends with freshman year of college who by mid-sophomore year I wasn't friends with. But, like, I would see them and almost be, like, embarrassed that we weren't still friends when it was, like, a totally mutual, like, you know, dis, you know, kind of floating apart, drifting apart, I think. And it's just funny, like, oh, why was I self-conscious that I ran into this person? Like, yeah. it doesn't matter. Like, friendships ebb and flow. It's fine if, you know. Right. Like- and I can see that for you because, like, I know, like, you were super involved with like your body wise friends at UConn, which I know is like so fun for you. And then you yeah. also high fi and you were mm-hmm. just like everywhere. And I'm like really glad 
you had that experience um, because, I mean, a Juliana spin class is a great spin class. Um, <laughs> but I just thought that was such a cool, like, fun fact about you that you were, like, a spin instructor. Yeah, it was it was fun. And it's funny you say that because I feel like I, f- I became more comfortable with the social life, like, end of sophomore year and into junior year. Yeah. It's it's really just one big learning opportunity. That's <laughs> why so we're here, right? Yeah. We're here together today because we met in our large learning opportunity of college at UConn. <laughs> so congrats on recently being accepted to master's programs. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. So I know one of them was an education policy program. Are they both? No. So yeah, one is an education policy program and the other one is a master's of arts in educational studies, um, which is very broadly focused in the field of education. So the idea of the program is to customize it based on your interests. Um, Yeah. Yeah. What made you want to pursue your master's? Yeah. Um, Yeah. This is kind of like a, a hard, like, Hard, long answer, but um, I I have a learning disability, and I think I didn't mention this when I was talking about, like, transferring schools, um, but really, I, for the social experience I wanted in college, which was, like, large classes, like, big groups of friends, like, for some reason, like, large environments appealed to me, because I thought that was what your college experience was supposed to be like based on what I'd seen in the media and just what I'd heard from people. And that's what I like, that was the status I wanted to have for myself. Um, And in that process, I really didn't consider, which is the most important thing to consider. But at that time, I didn't consider who I was as a learner and my learning styles Um, and recognizing that I never performed well on standardized tests or exams in general. um, Because Part of my learning disability was that I, I had a 504 plan in high school, so I'd get extra time on tests. And I, you know, going into a larger university, because JMU was a large school, I think I was, like, not kind of in the know that there would be, your your grade would be based on two exams um, for the class. So I think if I had thought about that more, um, I would have looked at smaller options for schools with more individualized attention um, that catered to my learning needs. So I think it took me so long to figure out undergrad. And I, I loved UConn socially, but I, I didn't like academically degree at UConn, um, to be like very frank and honest, because, you know, that's my truth. <laughs> I love it. I, to be Franco. <laughs> yeah, to be Franco. Um, I, had, I had to say it. Um, but I, I wanted, I wanted like a certain, I had goals for myself. Like I, I know that I'm a really useful people person. Like I'm really good at starting conversations. I'm passionate about education. I just have always struggled with figuring out like how I can perform best in education and where my strengths lie. Um, so I actually, like my first year out of college, I worked at an advertising agency, which was like a very mentally taxing experience for me. And I realized that I wasn't connecting with people in the way that I wanted to. Um, so I, I looked back at higher ed and um, I ended up getting a job at Harvard at the grad school of ed, which was great. And it's been a great experience. And kind of ne- like now where I am in my career, 
I'm at a place where I love what I'm doing, but I also know that I want to learn more about the field of education and like the politics behind it. Um, and I want to help other learners that have specific needs that I do. Um, so I think in a master's program, I just want a program that's rooted around like inclusivity and social justice, um, because I think that's where our education world's going. And I've been connected with some really great people. And the main goal that I have in going to grad school is like for the networking experience and to just like make those stronger connections and be in an environment where I can like thrive as a learner. Um, so I do think that master's programs give you more of a chance to do that because there's less students that professors have to kind of like talk to and worry about. So I think you do get that individualized attention and like you're really invested in as a person. So I I'm excited about that. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's so exciting. Um, it's interesting too, because I think with grad school, you also know yourself better, right? Like even if it's as a learner or just like as a person, so you understand what kind of career you want. So when you're in classes, you seem to be a little bit more invested just because it's like what you do want to do. Yeah. So, you're not just yeah. taking like random gen eds where you're like, why am I taking this? <laughs> oh my God, gen eds. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so you mentioned your learning disability. So I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit more about that and how it impacted your education experience in a, in a broad sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't find out about it until high school. Um, I was always like studying a lot for exams and I wasn't doing well on them. And I like never understood why um, ever. So I, I reached to a, a point where I got very frustrated and I talked to my parents um, and I kind of expressed that I thought something was going on that I, I wasn't sure how to like control or fix because I was spending a lot of time on homework and I wasn't seeing the results. So my mom had suggested getting a neuropsych evaluation. Um, and I did, and they found that I had like a visual spatial processing disorder. That's like the broad term for the specific LD. Um, and I mix up like, sometimes I can mix up like shapes. Um, it does take me longer to process information, which is why I do get extended time on testing, which greatly helped me in undergrad. Um, and it's more, it's just like a delayed, um, delayed like reaction to different um, learning um, and educational experiences. Um, so yeah, it was, it was kind of hard to understand at first, but once I like embraced it and really tried to figure out like how to adapt to like what I needed, it became something that was really easy to work with. Um, and now I'm able to transfer that into my work, my work sector. So like in, in college, like I knew that I studied best if I like drew things out. Um, that so like just, it was about finding the right study skills for me. And then like at work, I know I color code certain things. Um, so it's really just about like whatever new adventure you start, just trying to figure out ways, um, and organizational skills that will help you like get to where you need to be. Um, which has been, I mean, it's not easy all the time, but I, and it, it, like in terms of school, <laughs> it can be difficult. So it takes a lot of focus and a lot of organization for sure. <laughs> That's awesome that your mom suggested getting an evaluation. 
Yeah, I really have to say I'm very lucky to like have like parents that are like interested in like figuring out like mental health and also just like different like learning disabilities. Like I just feel like having the opportunity to go to a neuro like a psychologist was like really awesome. So I I'm appreciative that she suggested that because I at that point in my life I hadn't even known that that was like a resource. So totally yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing because I know that's a more personal detail. Yeah. Um, In my hometown, they opened up this bookstore called Rereads and it's secondhand books and they employ differently abled people. And I just love that term, like differently abled rather than disabled. And I know like, you know, people have different relationships with that term. So I'm not going to say people shouldn't use the term disabled if that's what they want to use. But I just really like the idea of like you talking about equity made me think of that differently abled because at the end of the day, like there's no, like the term disability can be harmful for a young student, right? In the school system to know I'm disabled. And when really it's just a matter of like individualized care and like curriculum. So I don't know. I just think in this conversation of equity, it's really just about giving students like what they need in the appropriate way. And so I think even equity in terms of like racial and socioeconomic status will also probably see benefits in like learning abilities and and different um, differently abled people. Yeah, no, no, thank you for mentioning that. Um, I completely agree with that. And I think they're, you know, a great resource that I um, had the opportunity to use at UConn was the Center for Students with Disabilities. Um, And I think that was probably the first time I, I thought about the word or not using the word disabled and using the word differently abled because so it was just like such a welcoming place. And I saw how many students utilize those services. And it's true, like it's just adapting to like a specific way of learning. Um, and educators realizing that not every student is going to receive the information in the way they're presenting it. Um, so that's like the common thing to be aware of. Um, and I think, I will say, I think there's been progress within that over the last few years. Um, and also I think too, like, even greater than the realm of like a learning disability or um, even, I don't know. I think, I think there's students too that are really struggling, especially during the pandemic with mental health issues. And I think that's affecting learning greatly this year. Um, And I think that it's put educators in this place where they have to be more accommodating than they had been in the past, but I think that's something that we should always be aware of because, I mean, pandemic or not, mental health issues are still very prevalent um, in students. And um, I think teachers are maybe like this year, maybe it was like a wake up call to be more like in the know about that. Um, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And I guess I should just say that like these are big these are big changes that like I totally acknowledge teachers need to be paid more and have better benefits and like teachers need mental health services. So I hope if anyone's listening and is a teacher, they know that this is not, 
it's a bigger picture rather than oh, yeah. putting it on the teachers. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. No, I agree. And for, for, I have, like, a, amazing teachers in my life and educators that help me to get to where I am. Um, but, yeah, this also is, like, a conversation for parents, too. Like, you know, like, understanding your child and their needs if if there are resources to do so. Um, and I, I know that's also another conversation. Um, there not being, like, enough resources to help your child in the way that you need to in terms of education so yeah lots lots of really good point lots of bigger conversations that could be (laughs) happening yes yeah Yeah. but I think that's yeah I'm glad you mentioned mental health because I know there's been like news coverage recently about just like school age students and mental health mental health yeah um okay so we've talked a lot about your higher ed goals your experience with education which is just I love like hearing you talk about this because you're so excited about it and it's great to hear like your journey with higher ed so my next question is what is your dream job yeah that's a great question um I really would love to work in independent school development. Um, as I I used the term equity before, and I've been having a lot of conversations with colleagues and, um, friends about the specific, like, specifically independent schools and how those environments, like at a large glance are not equitable. And there are these schools that have these, like, public DEI missions, um, which is, which is a step in the right direction, but with privilege and, (laughs) um, different other, like other things that have come up in conversation, um, this year and also like in other years, um, there's definitely more research to do on race, privilege, gender, in like independent school sectors, like the lack of female leadership, um, like the fact that there are students that come from very affluent backgrounds and students that come from very low income backgrounds in the environments. Um, so realistically, like these schools are sometimes like filler schools into like top tier colleges, but that experience as a whole cannot necessarily be defined as equitable. So kind of just, more, I, I'd love to do more research on that. Um, and understand like the challenges that are being faced right now um so but my dream job within that (laughs) sector would be to like be in school advancement um and development so like school networking fundraising marketing um which will take a long time to get there but right (laughs) now that's kind of where my interests lie oh very cool I can totally see you doing that yeah at the fundraiser night yeah, come come get a raffle basket for me. No. Just... <laughs> um, okay, so now I'm hoping to talk about non-career things and style, life, all of that. Yeah. So my first question is, before the pandemic, you started Styled by Cass on Instagram. So I'm wondering if you can talk about the account. Yeah, I can. Um, Styled by Cass has taken a break over the last year. Um, I started the account... Um, really because I like love dressing up and it was a fun way for me to kind of like put together colors and patterns, which is actually a great way to exercise my brain. Um, that's like my thing, colors and patterns. Yeah. Um, and so it really was just something that was fun for me. And then I had people reach out to me, like kind of like expressing that they liked the content and it gave them like outfit ideas and whatnot. And I thought that was fun. Um, and then after a while I was like, 
thinking about it in a more critical term. And I, I kind of was like, this is not like really serving people. It's just me kind of like posting pictures of my outfits online and being like, this is where I got this outfit. Um, and knowing who I am as a person and like the goals I have, um, I wanted to try something with it. So I opened up the conversation to some close friends who greatly and nicely provided testimonials about their experience with like fashion in the workplace and um, like their experiences um, with like how clothes have like represented who they are as humans. And that was such an interesting experience for me because it was so different for each person, Um, like feeling like they had to dress a certain way because of like the career they were in or because of their race, um, gender, like very interesting conversations. Um, So I was really happy I opened up that platform for those conversations because they need to, they're conversations that need to be had. Um, Because I, I do think that as a capitalist society we really (laughs) we really like and and now like and I I love social media but like I'm every other day like thinking I need to buy something right Mm -hmm. so like now with like consumer culture too I'm like how do we like get across this message too that like people don't need new things all the time and like so I I had been toying with the idea of like creating more messaging surrounded that but then obviously COVID happened and you know we had to stimulate the economy and there were like things going on and I also to be frank I don't have to wear work clothes anymore like you know right we're all in pajamas so I really just like took a break I tried to like at the beginning do some like fun pandemic related like outfits but I'm kind of at the point now where I'm like I don't feel like I'm very present in styled by casts and maybe when like things open up I will be but for a while I wasn't so she's kind of on a break right now but I'd love to like reopen the conversation when I'm in the mental space to do so because I I get a lot of joy out of it but I have to kind of find where that lies again Oh, I love that. Yeah, I'm glad to hear kind of the evolution because I remember seeing those posts about what fashion means to people and what their personal style looks like. And I remember just finding it really interesting. And also it's just like a happy space on the internet where people can be honest and and talk about something that often is um, labeled as like frivolous, right? But really your fashion like your style affects how you feel how you present yourself so right yeah yeah so how would you describe your style yeah um it's evolved over the last few years I like to feel comfortable um I am a larger chested girl so I really um I'm all for comfort and like what you like what you feel like works for you right like I, I'm not about like molding into what society thinks you should look like um I just like like to wear colors that make me feel happy like clothes I feel comfortable in um and I really like to do a lot of thrift shopping and poshmarking um good for the environment people um so that that's fun I do a lot of that yeah I I don't really like to find my own style, but I say now, maybe like when I was younger, but now I kind of go about it in a way that I'm like, I'm going to wear like this color because it makes me happy today. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good way to be. It's like intuitive dressing. Yeah, right? Like, I'm like, wow, like, today it's sunny, so I'm going to wear this yellow shirt. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so we're over a year into the pandemic. So I'm wondering, what have you done to take care of your mental health and well-being this year? Yeah. Um, I have been going to therapy. I'm a huge advocate for therapy. Um, I think... Um, even before the pandemic, I was in a place where I really needed a space to talk to someone. Um, and it's really been helping my development just like as a young woman. Um, I see a therapist that focuses in women's health and confidence, and that has been a great experience. Um, yeah, like she's very passionate about specifically helping women and you can see that in her practice. So it's been great. Um, I practice mindfulness. Um, I've learned a bit more about meditation, but haven't done enough of it yet. And I really want to start doing it. Um, and I've been, yeah, just like trying to do more things exercise wise that I enjoy. Um, I, I spin now. I know Juliana will be happy about that because she is the best spin instructor, but I like to do spin. <laughs> I do like this dance class called 305. Oh my God, stop. 305. So Sorry so, to interrupt. <laughs> no, no, I was interrupted. It's so fun. Um, I've been like hiking a bit more. Um, I was never interested in hiking, um, but my boyfriend is and he introduced me to it. So that's been really like a nice weekend activity. Um, so just like connecting with like the outdoor space more too has really been helpful. Cause I really was never that person <laughs> before, before COVID. So yeah, it's been, it's been a good learning experience for my, for my mental health too. Definitely. So you mentioned this therapist. Um, I'm just okay. curious, like how did you find a women's health, women's confidence therapist? Yeah. Um, I recommend psychology today. It's very general, but they're able to see like what, um, what therapists are covered by your insurance and, um, that lists like their specialties. So I really wanted a therapist that was focused in women's health, but also like I have like severe anxiety and I also have ADHD. So I was like, I want to like, you know, have someone that like knows how to work with that. And just like, like just, she, there was just a list of things I like needed. But the point being like, if you have certain things that you want to work on, that website's like a great resource. Um, and I think it helps to find a therapist that specializes in the areas you're struggling with because that can really be helpful. And another tip, like at least with my insurance, a lot of um, insurance companies aren't like taking copays because of COVID because a lot of people are utilizing mental health resources. Um, oh. So now is the time, people. If you ever, if you want to do therapy and you're waiting, jump on that train now. <laughs> I'm loving these tips. I love therapy. Um, did you, so, okay, I know therapy, finding the therapist is, like, a very challenging thing. So, like, was this just a match made in heaven or did, oh, had no. you been searching for a while? It's it's challenging. It's so, I, I should actually back up a little bit. So, like, it isn't, <laughs> like, it isn't super easy to get a therapist. I, myself, it took me, like, six months to find one because a lot of them are really booked with clients. Um, and obviously, like, mental health is something that usually can't wait. Like, you can't just be like, oh, I'll see one in six months. Um, so I'm still, like, trying to, like, understand, like, strategies to find a therapist, like, quicker. Um, but 
it is not easy to find therapy. And my friends that have therapists have been in the search for a while to find like one that matches with what they need. Um, so it's hard. Um, but if you get, if you are lucky enough to find, it's worth putting yourself on a wait list. That's what I will say. Okay. That's, that's good advice because I think when I was listening to that, I was like, oh, wow, it just worked out perfectly, but it, 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 unfortunately it, like, it's I challenging. It no, it was. I, I reached out at like the right time. Like mm-hmm. my therapist had like one more slot and it happened to be a time I was available. So, okay. Mm-hmm. yeah, but she was fully booked if I didn't take that slot. So it, it's, it's hard to find, to find mental health professionals that like, cause I know a lot of people work nine to five. Um, so they obviously can't take all their clients at night. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, well, thanks for sharing about therapy. First of all, I should say that. Um, So you're in a long distance relationship and I know it's like, what, two hours away. I'd imagine it's like definitely been more challenging during the pandemic. So I'm wondering how have you stayed connected long distance? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think a few things come to my mind um, with that. So I like am someone I was never in any like sort of long term relationship. Um, And going into this relationship, I, you know, it was at the beginning of COVID. And I was kind of like nervous, like I was like, what's going on? Like, why are are people dating right now? Um, (laughs) But I think what was actually a beautiful thing in this situation was that um, my boyfriend and I actually, we met on Tinder <laughs> at the beginning of COVID oh, yeah. and we did a lot of zooming. So we like really got to like know each other well before like physically meeting each other in person, which like, I have a lot of friends that use the dating apps and I actually think it's like worth it to do these zoom dates, even like in a non COVID world, because like, I think with video chatting with someone, you could get a general gauge, like if you might be interested. Um, mm-hmm. and I think where a lot of people get disappointed and like stressed is like taking the time to like get ready and then picking out a place to go eat. Um, and also just like during this whole time, like risking your, your health, like to go see someone. Yeah. Um, so it, it's hard, but, um, we talked for like two months before we even like met each other in person and it was like we went on like a distanced walk so we did like a lot of like distanced walking um which which was good so I like I got to really know my partner as a person before like anything physical happened which is like nice um and I think like that foundation that we have is so important for where we're at now like there was a period of time where we couldn't even like see each other at all in person so like now we like appreciate the time we have with each other um and I think a lot of it too is like my growth and my own self-confidence um I think a lot of people struggle with long distance because they're like afraid of like what their partner is doing when they're not there and I think that's like an unhealthy cycle that people can get into um but I, I I think that comes a lot from like maybe what people have experienced like in their past or like their levels of confidence um but I think if that's something that like you're dealing with in your relationship, if you're long distance, like, like working on your own self-confidence is important, right? Because if your partner like wanted to be with someone else, they like would be. So, um, it's a really good point. It's good like to break down the advice. Um, because yeah. And like, I don't like have these thoughts. I just think that like you get to a point where you're like, well, like 
I see this person like every two weeks and like we have really great conversations when we're together and when we talk on the phone. Um, and yeah, like I've, I've learned so much about this person in like a year. So I'm not saying like it works that way for everyone, but I think it's like work on yourself and also like trusting the relationship and like the path that you're on. Yeah. I love that. I think that's often at least like in general, you know, BuzzFeed, how to feel confident in a long-term or yeah. long-distance relationship. Like, like okay, BuzzFeed, like what, <laughs> what are you telling yeah. me? Yeah, like I don't feel like people necessarily talk about personal growth, and I, I appreciate that. So that's, yeah, I'd yeah. imagine that's great advice. Um, wait, what was the first message on Tinder? Who messaged you? Um, I think I messaged my boyfriend, but he had a really wholesome profile like you said it was it was like English teacher and it's like I make really good chili and my medieval accent is killer and I was like oh that's wholesome it was like really wholesome and he didn't even know that there were like other dating apps like he thought tinder was like the only one so it's great it's great we love tinder that's Um, cute yeah and when people ask we always just say we met on tinder like I I feel like that's another thing I want to mention like I know like there's a stigma sometimes with dating apps and like, whatever, like live your life. Like who cares how you met someone, right? Like I just, I don't know. I think it's actually a really useful tool for people. So yeah. Get rid of the stigma. (laughs) For sure. I, it's a, yeah, exactly. It's a tool that wasn't around 10 years ago that people are using for whatever reason, you know, some people have like more casual, relationships and and then people have like real ones yeah people that's like what it's for so I find myself getting annoyed with like I've like been in some conversations with people that like say they'll never use the apps or like don't understand why people would ever do something like that and I think it's just about keeping an open mind yeah that's yeah I appreciate that that's a good point um okay so we talked about relationship I wanted to talk about also friendships because first of all, friendships are just so important and you have many long-term friendships in your life. So what tips do you have for maintaining and forming friendships? Yeah. Um, I love all my friends. Um, I think, <laughs> uh, I don't know if like, this this is this might not be like a common experience, but I think that like for me, I never like, until like this point in my life was super romantically connected with someone. Um, and I had such a good time just like getting to know my friends and spending time with them and oh, just such like great people. Um, and I don't know like where I would be in terms of like my personal growth and progress without them and their friendships. Um, but I think the best thing about like maintaining these relationships, like especially during COVID, um, I write a lot of letters. Like I do a lot of handwritten letters and it's so fun because it like brightens someone's day and they half the time don't even know they're getting it. Um, I kind of like took everyone's address at the beginning of COVID, but I still like write them every now and then. Cause I just think it's like fun to get a letter. Um, but I think the main thing you can do, like, especially like if you're a busy person like me, like realistically, we're all so busy and we can't like talk to our friends every day or even every week. Um, I think it's just important to like, remember that even if you like shoot someone a text, like 
could even be like once every like three months, like three months, like dependent, like, you know, the value of your friendship, like, like Juliana, you and I, for example, we don't talk every week. We sometimes don't even talk every month, but like when I hit yeah. you up, it was like good conversation and nobody's <laughs> like mad because we're like, we're busy. Um, but it's like very good time when we're with each other. So I think just remembering that like, you're like, you have these friends for a reason and they're like, they're in your life for a reason, but like, don't get caught up on like how much you like see them, but like, know that if they need you, like you, you will be there for them in whatever way you can be. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. I have like an ad hoc question and sorry, I realize it's like almost 930. So, (laughs) but I think it's like, I, I love hearing you say that because you haven't had many romantic relationships, you really connected with your friendships because I think hearing you talk about that now as someone who's in a romantic relationship and also like done a lot of personal, like personal growth in order to like have a happy life and a happy relationship, I guess like what, what was that like? Like, I guess, did you ever feel down on yourself because you didn't have many romantic relationships? Because in a way in college, that's supposed to be like the way of life, essentially. Mm, Yes and no. Um, I think because I was someone that like, yeah, like we talked about how I transferred a lot. My goal was just like being personally happy with like my life in college and like friends. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, I think it happened at the right time for me. I never was someone that like really I have like I had like certain goals that I wanted to achieve in my life that I knew like mentally I don't think like therapy has helped me get to a place but I I think for a while I wasn't like ready to accept love um and that's like that's like that could be dark but like I I don't think a relationship would have served me and I would have been my full self in a situation like that um so I like I think like everyone at like anyone else you ask like there have been times in my life where I've been insecure for like not being in a romantic relationship but like then like on the other hand realizing like I have had so many like unique opportunities and like I have so many good friends that like care about me that are like genuine people that like I feel like fulfilled and when a relationship like is right it will come my way so but it's hard sometimes right it just like depends on what state you're in I think in your life but like I think we've all had those moments but like now looking at it from like a different perspective like I don't think I would have been like ready um when I was like younger (laughs) not that like I'm like old now but yeah (laughs) so wise yeah no I I think that's a great response and it's also just like kind of shows the personal growth and also like I don't know sometimes it's easy to look back and be like oh I was so like young and I should have done this and that but like you have that lens of like oh yeah like that wasn't the right time for me and it wouldn't have served me like I really I think that's a healthy way of thinking about things yeah. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> okay. So this is a fun question. What is something you'd like to do someday that currently scares you? Yeah. I would love to move to Spain and I'm terrified to do it right now because like I am such a social person that the thought of like being in a different country and not having like connections and friendships is scary. But like this year has also like challenged me in terms of like physically being in spaces of being alone so I think it would go better than like I think 
Um, totally. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think just in general, like even if it's not Spain, like moving somewhere else for a bit at some point. Out of the country? Yeah, let's get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sarah Wood is moving to Spain this summer. So cool. Like for a year? Or is she just like... I think she booked... A, I, I don't know how long it is. I actually need to DM her and like find out the details because she very casually dropped it at the end. And I was like, wait, what? Um, so yeah. But, and then what are your goals for the next five years? Yeah. Um, I think right now, like they used to be like more specific. And I think right now, since I am like still celebrating the feeling of getting into grad school, I just want to like enjoy grad school, um, meet some cool people, meet, get some good food along the way and do some traveling. Like, is that like, is that too eat, pray, love of me? I'm kind oh, of, no. I'm kind of being eat, pray, lovey. But I like, love it. Kind of a vibe. <laughs> We're Embrace so young. It. Yeah. I've been in a Elizabeth Gilbert kick also. So, like, I really just appreciate that. So, yes. yes. Pray love. <laughs> pray love. Have a good time. Right. Overall goal. <laughs> um, okay. What is something you recommend people read, watch, and listen to? Yeah. Um, okay. So, I think right now a book that has been and it's not like a long read but it's something that I read every night or every other night just kind of like to feel to feel a certain way it's called No Mud No Lotus and it's a book about practicing mindfulness um and I've been reading like a chapter every night and taking notes to like apply that to my life and I think it's just a nice it's short it's super short it's like 100 pages um but like I think it just like reminds people of the practices they can be taking right now um, so even if you're reading something else, it's just nice to read a chapter of No Mud, No Lotus before you hit those lights out. Um, so I've been enjoying that. Um, I am not a huge TV watcher, um, but I did watch the Netflix <laughs> craze of um, Bridgerton and Queen's Gambit. Um, those are great, but... I'm going to recommend, I know this was like beginning of pandemic vibes, but you should, you should watch cheer on Netflix. If you haven't, it's really, it's really inspiring. Um, and really talks about athletes and like what they struggle with and coaching styles. And I, I just think it's relatable to a lot of different audiences, but I really connected with it because I was a cheerleader at a point in my life, but more so from like coaching advice and just like, it just touches you in a certain way. So that's what I would recommend watching, listening to. Hmm. Do you mean like music or podcasts? Either or. Yeah. Um, hmm. So <laughs> I need to start listening to this. It's been on my list, but Bruce Springsteen and Obama have a podcast together now. Yeah. And I'm like so about it. I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm like, I Me love neither. them. And that sounds like really cool. I heard like so you're, you're like, recommending we're, it. Yeah, I'm recommending it. They were like, we're we're like the same, but not. And I was like, oh my god, amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, this has been lovely. Um, thanks for sharing about your life and Thank being you. willing to do this. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, this has been really fun. Um, yeah. okay. So, last most important question: How can people follow and support you? Yeah. Um, 
if you ever have questions about higher ed, I could like send Juliana my email to like link and whatever caption she posts. I think that would be the best way or on LinkedIn. Um, I respond the best on those platforms. Um, and you could follow style by Cass, even though she's kind of quiet right now. Um, <laughs> at some point I'll start posting, but for professional or like higher ed questions, I think LinkedIn or my email are the best way to reach out to me. Um, but be happy to chat with whoever would want to chat. Awesome. Thanks so much, Kaz. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the That's My Truth podcast. I hope you loved this interview with Cassie. It was a delight to record. She is an absolute gem. And make sure to follow her in all the places she shared. So styled by Cass. And again, if you're interested in higher ed, definitely reach out to me and I can connect you to Cassie to talk about your interests. And it's always great to connect with others, have a mentor and talk about a field that you might not be as familiar with, with someone who is in it. And as a reminder, if you're looking for ways to support the show, you can do so by following us on social media. So that's my truth podcast on Instagram, leaving a rating or review in Apple podcast, which I would really appreciate or sharing an episode with a friend. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you listening to another episode and we will see you next week.